Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech in the Car podcast. This podcast is about cars, the technology inside them, and maybe even the occasional gadget review. Today I'm joined by the amazing Tish from AutoSocial UK, and in a minute we're going to talk a bit about the, I was about to call it the Ford Mackie, the Mustang Mackie. And uh, <laughs> we're going to talk all about that and what she thought about that because she was lucky enough to drive that. I've covered quite a few electric cars on my channel and she's covered a lot of electric cars too. So it's really interesting to talk about what everyone is doing with electric cars. Don't forget to subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube to me and to Tish, of course, and leave us a like. And if you have any questions, put them in the comment down below. If you're listening to this as an audio file, then you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Pocket Casts, and on Spotify as well, and on an RSS feed as well if you're into that. If you are watching this or listening, I hope you enjoy it. And so let's just get into it now. So welcome Tish to the Tech in the Car podcast. I'm very happy and pleased and lucky to have you uh, joining me this week because I've only had done three podcasts now, the third one, and so having guests is amazing. So thank you very much for joining You're me. Welcome. I've been enjoying your videos on your channel. We've obviously been talking for a while about our channels and about how to expand and make them bigger and do more. And um, and so yeah, so I'm learning a lot from you and your videos every week you put one out and you're working very, very hard, <laughs> I know about them. So do you wanna tell our listeners and our viewers a bit about your channel and kind of what you're doing before we start talking yep, about sure, the actual Yeah, sure, mini backstory. Um, so I launched my channel almost pretty much dead on two years ago. Um, it's been a bit of a long road. I haven't always been extremely consistent, but I am quite consistent now. Um, I started life in media within a car dealership, and that is where I started doing a lot of video presentations. And they got a lot of good feedback from um, customers and people watching them really, really enjoyed looking at them. Um, however, I didn't really like the structure when I was there because it was a lot of the time they would literally just plonk me in front of a car and say, talk about it, which is fair enough. I've got an average amount of car knowledge, but I like to know the ins and outs of a car so that I can actually talk about it <laughs> in a comp way where I can give people information that is relevant rather than just saying here's a blue car which is pretty much how they were going down which wasn't the best um, but I just that kind of made me want to launch my own channel and have control over it on my own. Um, I then started working at Volkswagen and that is where I started to obviously have access to a lot of brand new cars. And I really got into talking about new cars, finding out about new technology on cars, um, kind of just how good new cars are nowadays, different ways to buy them. And I decided to launch a YouTube channel covering exactly that. So I have a YouTube channel. I actually do now branch out into a few bits of used cars. I have a section called Pocket Rockets, where I take kind of fast little little hatchbacks um, and pin them against each other and score them out of 10 and different things like that. But solely it is focusing on new cars and new car reviews. So no, I agree with you, like being really knowledgeable and understanding the cars that you're talking about is really important as part of the experience. And I think that's why people are finding channels like yours. Who, who, and I know that you now got over five thousand subscribers you're growing really quickly and you know and for my channel as well helping people understand them so i've driven quite a few electric cars so far on my channel not as many as you 
but I've driven, I've been in, I've been in uh, the Model 3 Tesla and the Model S, and I've had the Citroen EC4, which I really, really liked a lot. And I've also had the Honda E the last week, and I've been out in the Polestar 2 as well. I'm probably forgetting something, but I think that's most of them. And one car that I haven't been out yet in is the Mustang Mach-E. So I think maybe the way, place to start here is, have you driven a normal Mustang, normal air quotes, before you had driven this uh, electric Mustang? Uh, yeah, I have. So I used to work for a prestige car dealer and um, actually it was one of the cars that I was most excited about getting in stock. I actually took the phone call uh, for somebody who was looking to sell it um, and that was the, the V8 Mustang, um, 2016 V8. It was finished in that bright orange red color that they do um, and it was also fitted with a Roush exhaust. So it was loud in every sense of the word. It was loud in colour, it was it was really loud um, revving it and uh, yeah I kind of fell in love with it a little bit. I had never driven one and I had driven performance cars, um, I'd driven a lot of performance cars whilst I was at Mantis but I completely underestimated how, what lunatics uh, the Mustangs are. <laughs> I kind of, I just jumped in it, we were actually going, it was quite a funny story, we were actually going on a um, like car meet we'd kind of organised with Mantis and I was driving the Mustang there. I had my dad in the passenger seat and I was actually, um, I was heading out the, the drive to where we were going. So I jumped in this Mustang. I didn't play around with any of the um, controls because it was quite wet. So I should have had it in wet, which would have been a lot better, but I didn't. I just jumped in it and of course, they record as you pull off because that's the exciting bit of seeing all of these these nice cars kind of um, blast off and the exhaust sound. And of course, I stick my foot down on this Mustang and I completely lose the back end. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of like heading out this meet and this Mustang's just going all over the place. My dad's screaming because <laughs> he thought I was going to kill him. Um, but luckily I kind of obviously grabbed back a hold of it and was like, wow, this is, uh, this is a lot more leery than I was expecting. But I mean, that's what people love about cars. That's, that's why people love BMWs and different performance vehicles because they are a little bit leery. They fight back with you. And yeah, that is, I just fell in love with that car. Of course, I then sat it in the wet mode and it was a lot more controlled. Um, but yeah, they definitely, definitely hold uh, a place in my heart, the V8. I mean that's that's interesting because I you know I've driven a Mustang as well. I've driven it on holiday when I've been to America several times. I've rented one, but it hasn't been the Larry V8 powerful one. It hasn't been you know a GT500 or anything like that. It's just been a standard Mustang. And for me driving that, although it was a lot of fun to have, especially in California, to have a convertible Mustang. You know I was driving through Beverly Hills, and you know that's probably one of the cheapest cars you'll find in Beverly Hills. Probably is the cheapest car you find in Beverly Hills. But at least it was like a you know like a not sporty car that wasn't convertible and so I have fun memories of just being a holiday driving that down the highway in Malibu and you know and I also drove it between New Orleans and Houston that was raining so I didn't have the roof down when I did that so you know I've got some fond memories of, of driving the Mustang and uh, there's so many of them in the US actually if you want to rent one or at least pre-COVID it didn't cost very much to rent one it was like maybe 30 pounds for a day for renting a Mustang maybe less but um you know ironically enough I was reading online that 
car rental companies sold a lot of their stock, obviously during COVID times. And so now it costs a lot more to rent a car if you go on holiday. I haven't checked that. So, so I don't know if that's actually the case still, but that was interesting. Anyway, so back to the Mustang. So my memories of the Mustang aren't quite as leery as yours. So maybe when I watch your video and anyone that hasn't watched a video on the Mackie, please check it out on her channel. I will link it all down below. My kind of feelings on Mustang are slightly different from yours. Mine is just of a car which I'm driving along, relaxing in, feeling a bit cool in, as opposed to, you know, skidding around the place like a maniac. So, you know, it's just an interesting difference of feeling. Obviously, what you're talking about is where the Mustang came from. That's what the Mustang is about. And it's, you know, I guess the, the way that companies produce different trims and different engine models that uh, is why I've driven the Mustang in the less Larry mode. But um, yeah, and you know, and I guess that probably went a bit into why Ford decided to brand their first fully electric car as a Mustang. So I mean, what were your initial thoughts? I guess before you got into that or when you first saw it, what were your initial thoughts of the Mustang? And then afterwards I'll ask you what you actually, how you found it. We try and make this, uh, break it up and make it good for all the people that are watching. Certainly. Um, so prior to driving the Mustang or the Mackie, um, I, I hated it. I, I'm not gonna hold back. I really disliked it. Um, I just, there was, there was a lot, I think it is just obviously that memory that I have of, of that car. Um, obviously they're just so, they're American muscle. And I would say the new design of the Mackie is anything but American muscle. I mean, it's an SUV to start with. Um, and I don't think it's a particularly aggressive looking SUV. I think it looks a lot like the, uh, the, the Ford Puma. Um, I think they've got, they share a lot in common. Um, I was just a little bit upset that that's the way that they'd chosen to take the first electric Ford. Um, I was obviously still open-minded. I was happy to find out what this car was gonna kind of have going for it. Um, I was looking forward to driving it. I know that Fords are just so well known for their handling. I mean, I don't hold back on my channel and people that know me, and I kind of have a little joke around that I'm not a massive Ford fan. I've never been a massive Ford fan. I don't like a lot of the interior. I, I guess it's a popularity thing, isn't it? They're quite popular. And I like to sometimes back an underdog. Um, so I've never necessarily been that attracted to Fords to start with anyway. Um, but driving a lot of Fords recently on the channel, you cannot deny that they do everything so well. And that, that is the reason why they're so popular. Um, the design, like the build quality is all, all really good. They handle incredibly. So obviously I, I kept an open mind for when driving the Mackie, um, but my initial thoughts before going to drive it is I really didn't Interesting. Like it. So I kind of think that, um, and again, I haven't driven it, so everything I say might be totally wrong, but uh, I kind of think that I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it doesn't necessarily look that sporty. There are little design cues which they've done to try and make it sportier, like the roof line. Um, you know, I think it's got like a blacked out section. I don't know if you all want to add that. Was that the case at the top? Oh well, mine was mine was all black, so it so it, you didn't necessarily see that. I actually really like that design. So obviously, it's it's made, isn't it, to look like a coupe, like a coupe, but 
obviously that that black part then gives you the extra headroom in the back without it being a full coupe which i it's a good idea um didn't necessarily work on my car because it was all black anyway so it just looked like a larger car interesting it's a, you know little subtle things in design which i think are really really interesting and i know you talk about the design in your video as well so i mean i would i would love to you know from the interior tech point of view from myself it's interesting that they've gone with the vertical screen when everybody is basically going to horizontal now including you know the updated tesla model s is going to have a horizontal screen as well just like the model 3 so it's interesting so what were your so you got in it you drove it what was it like what did you think about it um, how, how did you how did you find the untamed mode? <laughs> I know I'm saying that ironically because I, I know you weren't a huge fan <laughs> of that name. Well, uh, talking about the screen to start with, I actually I, I don't mind the screen. Um, I quite actually quite like it. I think it's big enough to get away with it. I think if it was any smaller, it might look a little bit naff. Um, it is massive, um, but I do quite like it. It's a nice focal point. Funny watching a lot of reviews from other people who are saying that they like the screen that is obviously um, holds your sent your. Um, uh, the digital dashboard a lot of people are saying they really like that because things like the tesla doesn't have it um to me because i work a lot with citroen um i actually work for a citroen dealer monday to friday that to me is literally just the cactus it's the cactus screen so it's it, I, I don't get in the ford and say oh this screen in front of the steering wheel is really nice i think this steering this this screen in front of the steering wheel looks like a like a, a citroen cactus so a lot of people like that. I didn't necessarily like that part. I think it could have looked a lot sleeker, more integrated, but I actually didn't mind the large touchscreen. I quite liked it actually. Um, of course, it has all of the niggly hatred of having to find things like the temperature gauge and the different settings. Every setting for the, for the Mackie is, is in the central touchscreen, including the drive modes, everything like that. And I really dislike that about new cars. Um, I like to have some physical buttons, especially if you wanna change between your modes relatively quickly and you can't do it that quickly because you have to go into the settings in the touchscreen, which is a little bit of a pain. But um, it drove impeccably. It, it drove exactly like a Ford, how you'd expect. It handled well, the steering was well weighted. Um, that's the good bits. The negatives for me are, I just, I just cannot wrap my head around where Ford were going with this car because it's not comfortable like the Citroen C3, C4. EC4. So it's not it's not a comfortable SUV. Like don't get me wrong, it's not it's not a hard ride. It, it is slightly firm, but it's not it's nothing uncomfortable. Um steering sharp, but then it's also in my opinion for an electric car not that quick. The one that we had was the mid-range model which was 5.6 seconds from 0 to 60. And I mean that that's double what a Tesla will do it in. And I know that this isn't the performance model of the uh, the Mackie, that's still to come, but, but this is still a car which has a badge of the Mustang. It, you, it's supposed, I mean, a Mustang to me says performance. So the fact that it's it's not the quickest, um, I just, I'm still, I'm still struggling to wrap my head around. But in terms of how it drove, 
you cannot fault it. It drove impeccably. If you put a Ford badge on that car and you called it the electric Puma or even, even the Mackie without the Mustang badge, it would be one of the best electric SUVs out there for that price range. Do you think it's fair then for you to be, uh, you know, like does a brand name make that much difference? Does that not make it more attractive? Like rather than rather than looking at it kind of from the perspective of you're, you're down selling a Mustang, is it not better to think of it as, hey, this is, this is Ford saying we've made a car we're really proud of, that's why we're calling it a Mustang. And it's not necessarily sporty because like I said to you at the beginning, my experience of Mustang is the less the totally tamed versions of the Mustang, which are fairly efficient as opposed to the untamed versions. And, and you know, and I've heard this comment from lots of people who've driven Mustangs and, you know, saying that, you know, it's unfair to call it a Mustang because it's not wild and crazy like a Mustang is. And I totally understand that point, but do most people, and I don't know the answer to this question, this is just me playing devil's advocate here, do most people who have driven a Mustang, have they actually driven the wild crazy versions or have they driven the, you know, the, the mild pony as opposed to the, uh, <laughs> the horse version, right? You know, so like, do you think, I mean, you just said you thought it's a fantastic car once you've driven it. Do you, is it, is it a car that you would recommend if somebody wanted an SUV and wanted a EV SUV? Uh, yes, certainly. Of course, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it. It's 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 cheaper than something like a um, I-Pace, like a Jaguar I-Pace. But of course, you've got the better performance than something like the PSA offerings, which of course we've both driven with the EC4. It's obviously it offers a lot more performance and a lot more enjoyment than the EC4. Um, you're going to pay obviously in upwards of £10,000 more than you would for an EC4, but I do think it's worth it for that money. Here's, here's my argument with the Mustang badge, and I know that I've taken a lot into consideration of what you've said. I just think that Ford is a very, very good brand, a very, very popular brand. I don't understand why they didn't think that that holds itself enough to warrant just putting a Ford badge on this first electric offering. I'm just slightly upset that they've chosen to, in my opinion, dilute the Mustang name for the sake of, I don't know, for the, for the sake of, I guess, people talking about it. But I think people were always going to talk about the first Ford's electric offering because they're such a well-known, powerful brand. I mean, they're, they're one, they, they are the best-selling brand in the UK. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of just my, my thought process behind it. And, and talking about, obviously, people buying them to not have that Larry enjoyment, I think perhaps in America a lot of people will buy the EcoBoost just to have as an everyday car. But I think especially in the UK, people buy the Mustang. I, I would joke and say it's a midlife crisis car because no, nobody, I don't think anybody buys a Mustang in the UK to think, oh, this would be a nice, comfortable car for a commute. I, I think you buy a Mustang in the UK because you want to have some fun in it. You want to get it out on the weekends. You want it to make a, a bit of a racket and, and give you some enjoyment. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying the Mackie doesn't give you some enjoyment because, yeah, it, it certainly does. I just, I really wish that they'd bought out the GT as the Mustang and left this first offering as a Ford. 
I, I understand what you're saying. And you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I haven't driven it and I hope that I'll get to drive it soon. One of the things which I remember the Mustang when I got it uh, as a rental car, and the first time I was given one as a rental car was actually I booked, uh, I think a Ford Focus, just uh, you know, a standard Ford. And I turned up, I was in uh, Santa Monica in, in California. So outside of Los Angeles on the, on the seafront of uh, the Pacific Ocean. up at the dealership and they didn't have any Ford Focuses. So he said, hey, do you want a Mustang for an extra $5? And I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely, I'll take it. And one of the things which surprised me when I got into it was all the tech that was in there. In the standard Mustang, this wasn't a fancy one because we know that car rental places don't buy the most highly spec version. They generally buy the basic spec and it had Android Auto, it had Apple CarPlay, it had adaptive cruise control. It had everything you could want, lane assist. So, and I was surprised by that. And I was really happy with that because I didn't expect that. So I think Ford have made a very, you know, they've they've been even putting on their standard Mustangs a lot of tech, you know, reversing camera. They put all this tech onto it. And you know, that might be quite common in the US to be fair, not so much maybe here in the UK. I don't know because obviously I'm not based in the US, but my kind of feeling with Mustang is it's well specced, it looks good. You can drive it with a roof down. Obviously you can't drive the Mackie with a roof down, but that's kind of my feeling. So I kind of, to me, I feel like it's, you know, it's it fits in nicely. Obviously not the performance version, but um, it does. So really interesting to hear your thoughts on that. You are the expert on the Mackie, so, um, I, you know, everybody should listen to what you're saying. And, oh, don't uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you've driven it, so uh, you know more than most people. And, you know, and that's why people come and watch your videos, because you know more than they do. And uh, that's why that's why we're both here. I'm really interested, Tish, to hear about your experiences driving other electric cars. So off the top of your head, and I know you've driven a lot of electric cars. What have you driven and what has been your favorite so far? And don't tell me why yet, just what have you driven and what's been your favorite so far? Okay, so electric cars, I've driven the electric Mini, I've driven the electric Vauxhall Corsa, the electric, I'm gonna stop saying electric because we can just assume they're all electric now, but the, uh, the two, Peugeot 208, the Peugeot 2008, the EC4, the Mokka, um, the Honda E, the DS3 E Tents, the Jaguar I Pace, and I believe that's I'm probably missing some out, but that is that is yeah the majority of the cars that I've driven. In terms of which one is my favourite, um, two very different price points, so I feel like they can't even compete with one another. But I loved the Mini Electric. 
And I also loved the Jaguar I-Pace just because I'm a massive, massive Jaguar fan. So I think it was always going to win me over. It was a very good car as well, but it was always going to win me over. So it's difficult to pick between those. Of course, if I had under £30,000, I would definitely go for a Mini Electric. If I had over £40,000, then I'd be going for a Jaguar I-Pace. Okay, so I guess I should ask you what you've seen as you decided to choose two of them. Uh, what, what, what did you like about both? Let's start with the Mini. What was it that you loved about the Mini? I loved the character of the Mini. I like Minis anyway, even in the non-electric form, but it still remained with that, that kind of, that character that the Minis have. I know everyone, when anyone's talking about a Mini Electric, they always say the go-kart feel, but that is exactly what the Mini Electric still had. And it was actually very early on in my electric journey that I drove the Mini Electric, and that was the first time that I kind of put my foot down and was really thrown back in my seat. And actually, just the way that they've spread out the batteries along the bottom of the Mini, the center of gravity is so low, and it, it handles absolutely phenomenally. And just you can throw it around corners and it just absolutely sticks to the corners it was just a lot of enjoyment i know it doesn't have that range and everybody whinges about that range but for me personally if you've got an at-home wall box and you're plugging it in every evening when you get home like you would a mobile phone i don't necessarily see that as an issue it would not be the mini electric would not be something that i'd have as a sole car i probably would still need an ice car um alongside that because of the range if i wanted to do long journeys i'd want to do that in an ice car rather than an electric but as a second car it was yeah fantastic so let me ask you this do you think ice cars are cooler that was a joke you get it ice cars cooler. <laughs> anyway uh, what about the what about the jaguar what do you think of the, sorry, the Jaguar? What did you love about that? The Jaguar I-Pace was always going to win me over because I love Jaguars. I love the design. I love the classic kind of minimal style that they have. They just, I think a Jaguar just oozes class and that's exactly what the I-Pace did. I liked that it looked almost identical to a standard um, ice car. So I liked that the styling wasn't out there with being electric. And it just, it again, it was, it was, relatively quick for the size considering it's an SUV and just that comfort as well it was just so comfortable and how did the tech compare so uh, you know like obviously these electric cars have a lot of advanced technology and they're maybe more so than the standard cars they seem to bring the latest tech to them first out of all of those cars you've driven and you know I've driven the Honda E and I'm going to ask you about the Honda E in a second as well out of all of them which one had your favorite I guess, favourite interior, favourite tech. Oh, that's interesting. Um, my favourite interior, it's hard to say. I love the like, I love the classic mini styling because it's so, it's so mini. And I'm not ne necessarily, I didn't think that I was one for kind of like light nature, kind of that, that, that recycled type interior. Although... The interior of the new Mazda MX-30, which was one that I forgot to mention, that blew me away. I thought that was fantastic. And I, when I first heard it and I heard cork, I thought, oh God, like, I can't believe I'm not gonna like this because I don't really like the interior of the i3, but it was, it was fantastic. It was so lovely and everything felt really high quality. It had like a floating, uh, floating center console, which was really, really high quality. And I just, I really loved, for a quirky, um kind of a quirky electric car 
I love the Mazda MX-30. As a car's interior, which is still classic, like ice car, uh, I would have to choose the Mini Mini for that. Interesting. So like, what do you mean by cork? Because there are lots of people obviously that haven't seen it and don't know, including myself. What, what do you mean by that? So Mazda chose to um, hark back to some of their heritage. So Mazda actually started out as a cork production company. That's before they went into cars. I cannot tell you the year, but obviously way in the past. And they wanted to bring some of that to their first electric car. And they chose to use the cork throughout the car. So on the center console, um, they kind of have had some like little sections where you could like place items in, you know, like little, little cubby holes. Um, and they were all finished in cork. Sounds very, very interesting design wise. What about from the tech perspective, which car did you drive which you thought had the best tech, maybe the easiest to use or the most interesting? Sure. Well, tech-wise, you, you can't beat the Honda E really for tech, can you? There's so much, so very much going on in that car. It's almost overwhelming. I mean, there's six, what, six screens in the, in the um, Honda E. Uh, you've obviously got your wing mirrors, your three screens, your digital dashboard, your two center screens, and then obviously you've got your camera in the rear view mirror as well. So that, I mean, you don't get more tech orientated than that car. I can imagine that that was your dream. There's videos coming on the Honda in my channel, I'm sure, on yours as well. I loved, the, I loved that. I just thought it was great. And I also really loved the design of the Honda E. For me, I thought that was my favorite looking car. I'm guessing maybe you didn't feel the same because you didn't say to me as soon as I mentioned the Honda E, oh, that looks amazing. What did you think about the design of that? Because I found people either love it or hate it. No, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. I just, I'm just not sure if it's just a little bit too quirky for me. I'm I'm not too sure. It's I I think I think with the Honda E it comes down to the the money and the range. So it's obviously what if you're going to get the top spec one with all the bits and bobs in it that you want, that's going to be costing you closer to thirty thousand pounds. And I think for that price, I'd rather save five thousand pounds and have the Mini Electric, in my personal opinion. But that don't get me wrong. Don't take anything away from the Honda. I absolutely loved it. I I mean I my first car was a blue Volkswagen Lupo. And that exactly reminded me of that car, just the cutesy style. It was, yeah, don't get me wrong, I was in love with it. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the, first of all, the price. So yeah, I totally understand the point about the price. However, I've been looking, because I love the Hyundai, and I would actually happily buy one of them. And I've been looking at the used prices and you can get one with a few thousand That's miles really for 24, 25,000 which would bring it down to, yeah, down to a similar price. Now, obviously, I imagine you could get a used version of one of the other cars you mentioned for even less, but I really love the Honda E. Yeah. Everywhere I went, people were turning their heads and looking at it. Did you get that experience? Did you see people looking and, and paying more attention to that car than maybe some of the other electric cars you've had? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Even, even taking it... There also doesn't seem to be 
Uh, there's an unsurprising amount on the roads, isn't there? I, when I was driving it, I was thinking about how few I've seen around, considering it is so cool. You would think that you'd see a few more of them, but they are really rare. And in fact, I took it to the electric forecourt and they'd only seen, uh, in, the, in, the year, in the months that they've been open, which is about six months now, they've only seen a handful of Honderees. It's one of the rarer cars that they get through. So, and there was lots of people that, of course, at the electric forecourt that wanted to talk to me about it. I want to actually ask you about this electric forecourt because I, I know it's there in, in Braintree, right? Am I right? Right location? Yep. And I've seen photos of it, but I've never yep. obviously been yep. there. Mm -hmm. What is it like? Tell me, tell me a bit about it, because you know, the I believe that's the first purpose-built one in the UK. So, really interesting about that. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it's 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 fantastic. It is a, a hub for electric cars, and I mean, at the moment, you can stop at charging stations, and there might be well, a handful of chargers there. The electric forecourt is purposely built. It's got. Um, I'm trying to think now, do the maths in my head, but it's got around, I think, 12 350 kilowatt chargers, which are massive. Um, and then it has an additional 12 90 kilowatt chargers. Um, and then you have your chargers for all of your Renault Zoe's. So they're all separated, and they, again, down one side. You've got some slower chargers for the cars that don't take um, the higher power chargers. And then you have a whole section for your Teslas as well. It is fantastic. And at the moment, with lockdown, and obviously we're very early on in the whole electric car kind of um, process, it's so quiet. So it's amazing. You drive up there and you can absolutely guarantee that you can get a charge. And with a lot of these cars, as we'll know from doing the research, you can have a 0 to 80% charge on the majority of the cars that will take an 100 kilowatt charger in 30 minutes, which is, is an amazing amount of time. I mean, you by the time that you've grabbed a coffee, because they've got a Costa coffee in there, you've had a look around the shop, you've gone to the toilet, you've gone upstairs and you've seen some of the cars because they have some cars kind of in the showrooms. Um, you come back downstairs and you've about got time to do check your emails and then you're ready to go. So that really is the future of electric car charging, I believe. The only negatives that you obviously have touched on is I know that they haven't always been working. They have been a little bit temperamental. Occasionally they joke and say to me, have you, what car have you got on loan at the moment because we need to test a leaf because we're having issues with the CCS charging. Um, and also I do know from being in the electric car owner group on Facebook, that a lot of the Tesla chargers have been covered up almost the whole time that they've been open. So they haven't actually been working as far as I'm aware so far. So, so yeah, obviously it's not without its problems, but I do know from just talking to people that GridServe are very well respected within the community. They're now taking over a lot of the chargers. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but they're taking over a large charging network and they're very quick to getting them chargers back up and running again. So I think they're really taking pride on kind of trying to take this opportunity and run with it. And um, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm, I mean, I am overwhelmingly lucky that it is so close to me. I would love I would love to check it out. It sounds fantastic and um, it's exciting to see something like that. And you know, like until I started driving all these electric cars, I didn't experience any of the well, I had no experience of plugging them into chargers and I've learned a lot about 
the ways to make sure that they work and you know the little, little tricks probably with tricks maybe isn't the right word because you know it's just kind of stuff you'd learn like for example i found holding the cable up sometimes the cable doesn't connect because the cable is i don't know slightly damaged or something as holding it up helps it connect making sure you have the apps on your phone for the uh, services obviously having a subscription helps with some of them like uh, the bp pulse charging network i don't know what grid server doing over there so you know one other car that you've driven which you didn't mention electric car begins with a p and ends with a t do you, do you remember what it is uh it begins with a p and a ends German with a car. t two two names oh right okay german it end in it. Well, yeah. The, what the, the yeah the first <laughs> well it's the second second word yeah. begins with the t i should have said that yeah the porsche taycan but you got you got to you obviously got to check it out and see what that was like i mean how was I that did. inside what was the interior like for that oh incredible what what a beautiful, beautiful car. I think, again, my anger towards, <laughs> my anger towards the Ford Mackie perhaps came a little bit behind the fact that, that the Porsche Taycan is just a, such a good electric car. I mean, it's the exterior is beautiful. You've got the choice of having some wheels that look slightly electric, that obviously give it that stance, that give it that electric feel so people know what you're driving. Um, it just looks beautiful on the road. The headlights are stunning. The interior is amazing. It's not too simplistic. So they've not gone for just like one screen. It's still very Porsche. And I also love, again, harking back to my anger towards the Mustang, something we didn't mention about the Mach-E is they, the Mach-E have decided to play a false V8 sound into the cabin which is so wrong to me um, because you don't buy an electric car because you want to hear a V8. You buy an electric car because you want to be electric. You want to embrace the electric. What I do anyway, again, maybe I'm not talking for everyone. And that isn't something else I love about the, the Porsche Taycan because funny enough, it's a friend's and he actually picked us up to take us to dinner the other day. And we, we was driving in it and I forgot how beautiful it sounds. So it does just have this like electric, like woo, but it's nice. It's kind of like comforting and it's exciting. And yeah, it's, they, they've absolutely, in my opinion, they've absolutely nailed that car. Really, really interesting to hear that. And I may just take that little electric sound noise and like place it random points inside <laughs> this podcast. If you listen to it as an audio, if you listen to it as an audio podcast, you might just hear it randomly. Um, thank you very, thank you very much, uh, Tish, for joining me today. It's been fantastic okay. to hear all about your experience of mm -hmm. driving all these cars. Anyone that's obviously watching on YouTube, please give this video a like. Check out her YouTube channel. Subscribe to us both. If you're listening as an audio podcast, then please follow so you can keep up with the latest episode and also check out the YouTube channels of both me and Tish. And I'll be back next week. Thank you very much for everyone for watching and listening to both mine and Tish's YouTube channel. And I'll see you all soon. Thank you very much and stay safe, everyone. Uh -huh.